And so I appreciate you. You allowed us to shape this culture into what it is. So I thank God for you today. Today we're talking about when things don't go my way. When things don't, uh oh. And there was a grumble. When things don't go my way. We'll be in Jonah chapter 4. Jonah is a rogue prophet. He's a reluctant prophet, and he's a resistant prophet. God told Jonah, I want you to go to the city of Nineveh. I want you to proclaim a message to them. And Jonah says, I'm not going to do it. I hate them. They hate me. I don't want you to bless them. I don't want you to use them. I don't want you to forgive them. I'm not going to do it. So he runs in the opposite direction. Instead of going east to Nineveh, he goes west to Tarshish, a seaport on the coast of Spain. And he gets on the boat and a big storm comes on the ocean. He's thrown overboard. He's swallowed by this great giant fish. The Bible says that God had uniquely prepared, prepared. He repents and he prays in the belly of the fish. The fish turns around, spits him out on the beach going in the right direction. And last week we saw him reset, restart and run. Here's the irony. He still got a bad attitude. But at least he's doing what God told him to do. I don't know how you grew up. But if my parents told me to do something and I stomped my way on to doing it. Y'all have parents like mine. If I smacked my lips or mumbled under my breath, I ended up under the coffee table. Or did... Anybody else raised like me? So we get to chapter four. In chapter three, he comes out of the belly of the fish, resetting, restarting, and running with God. In chapter four, we see him regretting and resenting because Jonah does not like the fact that Nineveh has the possibility of a second chance. And things are not going his way. He thought he was going to pout and bully God into doing what he wanted to do. Much like many of us believe we have the power to command God just because we say so. Which is why we have this, all you have to do is speak it and God got to do it. Who told you that your relationship with God was a spiritual Simon Says? Well, the Bible says you can speak those things that are not. No, the Bible says he can speak. He meaning God, not he don't mean we. So we end up resenting God because we've been raised in this culture that we command God by our faith and our faith forces him into action even if it goes against his will and we end up resenting God when things don't go our way. So before you judge Jonah, realize you are just Jonah or Joanna. Shonisha, that's good in black history. <clears throat> Jonah doesn't get his way. Now he's resentful. Why resentment is bad against anybody? 
it's especially dangerous and ridiculous when you have resentment toward God. Have you ever resented when God's plan didn't fit your plan? Have you ever resented when God gave you his purpose for you and you reworked it? And tweaked it and gave it back to him and he paid you no attention? Just being, we're family. We're being honest today. We're, it's the churches that heal. We're, we're being honest today. Have you ever been mad at God yes. when your plan, let's just say your plan for graduation didn't work out. Your plan for your marriage didn't work out. Your plan for your job didn't work out. Your plan for your family didn't work out. Your plan for whatever didn't work out. Did you get a little upset with God? Yes, we know we're smart enough not to say we're upset with God, but unsmart enough not to realize he knows why we're mad in the first place. Yes. <clears throat> I ain't mad with God. I just stayed at home from church because I was mad at God. Uh I ain't mad at God. I just didn't do my devotion that week because I was mad at God. Why was Jonah resentful? Because he wanted his enemies destroyed. God, they've done me wrong. They hurt me. Quit blessing them and beat them. God wants to forgive them, but Jonah doesn't want God to let them off the hook. Let me take you back. Jonah chapter 3, verse 10. When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he had said he would do to them if they did not do it. They, 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 they went into revival. Now, revival is good news to everybody except Jonah. Everybody is rejoicing except Jonah because he wants them destroyed and not delivered. Be honest. How many times has God kept you, but you turn around and look at somebody that did a you on you, and you want God not to bless them, and you're waiting on them to fall, and you're waiting on God to at least do a little bit more for you so you can look at them and say, nah, 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 nah. <clears throat> Jonah chapter 4, verse 1. But, this is right after verse 10. <laughs> but it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry. The, the words here used in the Hebrew give this, this, this picture. He lost his temper. He went full Bobby Knight. Wrong crowd. Uh, he threw a tantrum. He is indignant that God did not destroy the people that hurt him. So he complained to the Lord. Verse 2, chapter 4, and he prayed to the Lord and said, Oh, Lord, is this not what I said when I was yet in my country? This is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish. For I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. Therefore now, oh, Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. Jonah, you tripping. 
This is extreme resentment. You just talked about how merciful and how gracious God is, forgetting the only reason you know he's merciful and gracious is because he had to have been merciful and gracious to you. You learn this by experience. You ain't read it on the internet. You ain't read it on Jerusalem Twitter. You ain't read it on Nineveh book. Kill me now. He don't want to be dead. If he didn't want to be dead, he wouldn't have prayed to get out of the fish. This is just severe depression articulated by suicidal ideologies. Lord, let, let me, let me, let me, let me, here's counseling from the pastor in 30 seconds. All of this happens because what I planned to happen did not pan out. You want to trace suicidal ideologies and depression back to a source is because what I saw didn't show up. Counseling session over. We would do well to stop listening to people who lead us to believe that we are more God than God and we have more authority than the supreme authority over our lives and that we know better than he knows what's best for us. Kill me, Lord. Watch what you ask for. Let me tell you something. He can undo things that have been done, but he don't unanswer prayers that have been answered. The nerve of Jonah to be depressed because God is good to somebody else. The nerve of Jonah to want to give his life back a life that God spared when he had no reason to. Now you want to think you can take a life I gave you? After all that God has done for you, after all the stuff he spared you from, he let you survive this storm. He let you survive being thrown overboard. He let you survive being swallowed by a great fish. Destruction could not digest you, and now you want to die? This is what happens when you hold hate and resentment in your heart. Let it go, because when you hold hate in your heart, hate produces resentment. Resentment produces frustration. Frustration produces anger. Anger produces self-pity. Self-pity ends in depression. He had the nerve to pray, get an audience with God, and say, this is why I ran in the first place. Because you're gracious and compassionate. And I know because you ain't killed me when I ran. But them. 
I didn't want to speak to them on your behalf because I know your love never fails because it never failed me. So let, let me get real. Let's not talk about thousands of years ago. Let's talk about us. Who is it that you kind of mad at God because he forgave? Who, who are you mad at God about because he didn't destroy them when you wanted them destroyed? They hurt you and they're still making it. They, 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 they didn't show you mercy, so you don't want God to show them mercy. Who? Or I'm going to talk to the camera since y'all not talking to me. Who are you unwilling to forgive that God already forgave? We are going to have to learn to forgive everyone who's ever hurt us. But they don't deserve it. I agree, but neither do we. Let me tell you what forgiveness is not. It's not deserved. It's never earned. Forgiveness is a gift that you give at cost. You pay the price for somebody else's forgiveness because those who hurt you are bankrupt to help you. You don't forgive them because they deserve to be forgiven. You forgive them because you deserve to be free. Look at your neighbor and tell them forgiveness is for me. Mm-hmm. That's why I only had them do two songs so I could let it sink in while I was preaching. I forgive for a lot of reasons. Number one, I forgive because I've been forgiven for a lot in the past. So I need to forgive other people. Another reason I forgive is because holding on to it makes me miserable. Do you know when you don't forgive people, you spend too much time thinking about people you don't even want to be thinking about? You mad thinking about somebody you rather not think about, but you don't want to forgive them because if you let that memory go, you can't play the victim no longer. Are you going to be a victim or are you going to be victorious? You got to pick a struggle because you can't live one in the same. Either I'm going to forgive them and be free and release them of everything they've done to me and everything they meant to me. Or I'm going to hold on to it and be mad and my stomach turned up every time I see them and be sweating, nostril flares. Every time they do something, they're making me miserable and ain't thinking about me, but I can't stop thinking about them. You can't sleep, they snoring. I forgive them because I've been forgiven a lot. I forgive them because holding on to it now makes me miserable. And I forgive them for the future because I'm going to need more forgiveness from here on out. Because I know I don't care what I plan on being, I'm not going to be perfect. So Jonah gets irritated <laughs> because God shows grace to people that Jonah doesn't like. He doesn't want those people to be forgiven. 
He wants them to be destroyed. And, and because of all of this, God is getting ready to teach Jonah an object lesson. Um, it's one that we all need to learn. And so we go look at it together. Because I'm sick of looking at it by myself. Life is littered with interruptions and distractions. Distractions are meant to draw your attention. Interruptions are meant to demand your attention. God here is about to use this lesson as an interruption in Jonah's life to show him how you got here in the first place. Remember the name of the series is this one is on me. And after four chapters, God is getting ready to show him this is what I'm talking about right here. This right here is what's wrong. So let's get into it. So y'all can take the Lord's Supper and be happy again. You can't have this attitude toward me in the Lord's Supper because the Bible says don't eat and drink unworthily. So y'all going to have to smile or something. God is watching. I knew what Sunday I was preaching this on. When things don't go my way, the first thing I need to remember is this. God can see things I can't. God can see stuff I cannot. Jonah is all upset because God said, I'm going to destroy this city, but only if they don't repent. And then they repent, and Jonah told God, that's why I didn't want to pray in the first. This, see, this is the problem with you, God. That's why I didn't want to go down in the first place. I might as well stayed in the belly of the great fit. Kill me. Just take my life. Here's what God says to Jonah <laughs> in Jonah chapter 4, verse 4. And the Lord said, do you do well to be angry? This is Black History Month. Here's the black version. Who are you talking to? First of all, watch your tone. God is saying, what right do you have to be angry over what I've done? Whenever we doubt God's wisdom, it's a bad decision because God is God and we are not. Understand God can see what I can. God can see the past, the present, and the future in one picture at the same time as if it happens at the same time because he exists outside of time. He exists in his eternal isness. That's why the song God is is so powerful because he just is. He didn't begin. He does not end. He does not age. He just is. So in his isness, his peripheral can pick up was, is, and will be. 
So when God makes a decision, we need to trust his wisdom because humanly speaking, wisdom is based on what I've learned. His business, uh, wisdom is based on what he knows. Let me say it again. My wisdom is based on what I've learned. He knows all he can't learn, so his wisdom is based on what he knows. He knows everything already, so he can include factors in his decreeing and deciding that we can't even imagine. So when he makes a decision, all the facts have already lined up. Have you ever watched a show or a movie with somebody and it's a good part you want them to see? And as it approaches to that point, you want to make sure they're not holding a conversation with you because they're going to miss something. This is don't talk. You want to see this. No, no. You need to see this point. You need to watch this now. It's going to because you've already seen it. You know that it's important to them to understand this point if they're going to interpret everything that happens after it in the right manner. That's the same thing God is saying to you. Shut up. You need to see this right now because I'm getting ready to do something in your life. And if you don't get this point, you're going to miss what's going to happen greater later. So don't doubt God. Don't doubt him. When you're going through tough times, he knows what it's going to result in. He knows what's going on. He can see where you're headed. The Bible says he knows the end before the beginning. He knows the end of the story. He's read the next chapter. He wrote the next chapter. God can see things. I can't. You can, you can take that home. I don't have to worry about the next chapter of my life because I know who's writing it. And he knows how my story is supposed to end, for I know the plans I have for you. I know how I want it to turn out, so I know how to write it so it works out just like I wanted it. It's the first thing Jonah has to learn. Look at verse 5. Jonah went out of the city and... At least he learned not to talk back. He just went out of the city and sat to the east of the city and made a booth for himself there. And he sat under it in the shade till he should see what would become of the city. So Jonah still got hope that this pouting is going to work. So I'm just going to go out and protest. God is going to destroy him. He goes out and sits down to watch the show. Here's the problem. It's hot. Santa Ana's are blowing, so it's dusty. It wasn't Santa Ana's, but I'm just trying to make it make sense. We, uh, the humidity is rising. And that leads me to the next thing I need to remember when things don't go my way. The second thing I need to remember is this. God is good to me even when I'm contrary. Jonah got a whole attitude with God. 
and God is still about to be good to him. Look at verse 6. Now the Lord appointed, let the church say appointed, a plant and made it come up over Jonah that it might be a shade over his head to save him from his discomfort. So Jonah was exceedingly glad because of the plant. Now he out here pouting and the big dummy goes and sits on the side of the mountain and his shade wasn't working. And so God appointed He custom made a quick growing plant in an unwatered soil to grow quick enough to stop the sweat from beating up on top of his head. This made Jonah happy and comfortable while he's being a whole jerk. God cared for him, his discomfort, even though he was tripping. Appointed. He arranged it. Jonah, I spared you, but I knew you were going to act a fool. So I prepared to make sure that even while you were acting a fool, I had you covered. I knew what you were going to do. I knew you were going to act up. I knew you were going to forget I just delivered you out of this great fish. God wouldn't even let him be uncomfortable while his attitude stinks. What, what point am I trying to make here? God cares about you. And truthfully, you have no idea how many times God has made you comfortable in your life when you didn't deserve it. How many times have God has to cover you while you were doing the exact opposite of what he created you for? Going in the exact opposite direction of where he told you to go. Doing the exact polar opposite of what he told you to do. You may have been ignoring God, but he was still instigating shade on your behalf. Because that's the kind of God. He loves us even when we're unlovable. He loves us even when we're unlovely. I don't want to belabor this point too long and seem like I'm trying to just drive it far, too far, but how many times has God made your life easier? Even when you deserve for it to be harder. How many times did God protect you in relationships he told you not to be in in the first place? How many times does God protect you in places you never should have been in the first place? How many times did God shield you from people that didn't mean you no good in the first place? How many times has God picked you up and he told you you shouldn't have fallen right there in the first place? Thank God for his grace. 
Let me finish early. The third thing I need to remember when things don't go my way is that God is in control of every detail. When things aren't going my way, I have to remind myself that if it's my reality, he has a reason. <laughs> God needs to teach Jonah a lesson. So he uses a plant that he has instantly, I ain't never heard, now bamboo grows fast. But I've never heard of a shade plant becoming shade while the sun was still shining. He lets it grow and then move in Jonah's direction because I don't see no verse that says the angels came and planted it. So it was already positioned and purposed. Who knows how long the seed sat there before germinating so it could be ready to position itself while Jonah was pouting. You're out there praying for somebody's destruction and God is providing you with deliverance. So, so how'd it go down? Verse 7, but when dawn came up the next day, God appointed <laughs> a worm that attacked the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose, God appointed <laughs> a scorching east wind, and the sun beat down on the head of Jonah so that he was faint. Listen to this, dummy. And he asked that he might die. And said, it's better for me to die than to live. Now, let's just, can we review? We've seen God do a whole lot of arranging in Jonah's life. And this ain't been but a few days. It's been a month for us. It was not a month for Jonah. You're talking about a matter of a few days. God arranged for a great windstorm. Then he arranged the dice game, so the dice fell on Jonah. The lots, casting lots is like shooting dice. Then he arranged a great fish to transport Jonah back to where he was supposed to be. Then he arranged a fast-growing plant to provide shade. Then he arranged a worm to eat the plant for breakfast. Have you noticed that everything in nature was doing exactly what God told him to do? Except the prophet? Don't you dare judge Jonah. Because how many things in your life has God arranged and those things obeyed God, but yet we still do what we want to do, when we want to do, how we want to do it, regardless of to, to how God said it should go? Let me turn the gym 
so that the spectrum of light changes colors for just a second. And let me switch thoughts. I warned y'all this time. Usually I just go off. I just realized this is for me. If you tend to shout, get ready. After what I just said to you, <laughs> I just realized that all of my disappointments were by design. It wasn't a part of my plan, but it was a part of God's plan. In life, God may have arranged some big circumstances to swallow you up while you were heading in the wrong direction. But when that circumstance spit you out, you were going right where God wanted you to be. He may arrange something new that suddenly popped up in your life. Some people that popped up in your life. Some habits that popped up in your life. A job that popped up in your life. A promotion that popped up in your life. A relationship that popped up in your life. And it gave you comfort in an uncomfortable place. It gave you shade in a place where the sun was beating down on you. And then when you're not where you're supposed to be, God will give you confidence in that situation until he decides you've been here long enough. Then he'll let something feast on it for breakfast, but it's still for your benefit. Because if you stay here, I can't give you what I prepared for you somewhere else. My name is Jehovah Jireh. It doesn't mean I'm the God who supplies. It means I'm the God that supplies there. He called that place Jehovah Jireh because there you can't get what's meant for you till you get there. You can't get what's been arranged for you until you get In all those situations, big, small, or whatever, God's motive yes, sir. is love. Yes, sir. He's doing it because he loves you. Not because he hates you. Not to punish you. He's a God of wisdom. He's a God of grace. He's a God of love. And you may not see the beginning from the end, but he does. He makes you uncomfortable. Ooh, preach Terry Wayne Brooks. Y'all don't even know what I'm getting ready to say, but I just bless myself. He makes you uncomfortable when he meant for you to be uncommon. Eagles. Make their nests in places where human eyes rarely can observe them. But on the rare occasion, they've seen eagles with eaglets in the nest. The mother eagle goes and she brings back food and she puts them in a place where predators can't get to them. So that they can grow and mature on their own. But after a while, they get too big for the nest. And she wants her space back. And it's time for them to get out of the nest and learn to fly. But because they've gotten comfortable. 
even though she's made the, the nest out of thorns and thistles, even though she's made the nest out of sharp rocks and twigs, she covered it with feathers and grass and weeds and plants because she knew one day they were going to get comfortable. Then she stirs around in her nest, not because she's uncomfortable, not because she can't get comfortable, but because she's moving their comfort out of the way. They start getting pricked and prodded and stuck, and the comfortable place has now become uncomfortable, and they're ready to leave, but they haven't learned to fly. So they mount up on her wings because they trust her wings, and she takes them to heights they've never been to, and then she just kind of throws them. And if you watch their flapping and flailing, realizing I have wings and they don't know what they're for, but the minute they get coordinated enough, they figure out I didn't have to stay uncomfortable in the first place. But every eaglet doesn't learn on the first time. And before they get the depth, she swoops down and catches them on the same wings, takes them a little higher and lets it happen all over again. Some of you may be going up and down and up and down but let me tell you something God is going to get you out of your comfort zone he's going to take you to heights you've never seen and to get back there you're going to have to learn how to soar on your own wings if he throws you out he'll catch you before you hit the bottom or you'll learn to fly on your own real quick get back to Jonah. So God created this short-lived plant. He allows it to die for a purpose. Verse 9, God said to Jonah, do you do well? Who are you talking to, man? You do well to be angry about the plant? And this time Jonah was arrogant. Yes. I do well to be angry, <clears throat> angry enough to die. So when things don't go our way, what do we do? We fret, we worry, we stew, and we spew. Here's the funny part. <laughs> Here's the object lesson. We get upset over circumstances that's not going to last. I've told you before, if it ain't going to matter in five days, don't you spend five minutes. God said, what, what you worrying about? What you tripping for? If you go get stressed in life, at least stress out about something that matters. You worried about a plant that I let grow up one day and let die the next day just to show you that most of the stuff you worrying about is temporary anyway. I'm talking to you. I'm telling your business. You won't look at me, but you hear me. 85% of the stuff that worried you didn't even happen. Come on, son. Come on, son. Just be honest. The stuff that worried you and kept you up at night did not happen. Especially you serially stressed people. There's no way that all the stuff you worried about could have ever happened that you'd have been dead like he wanted to be. Verse 10, and the Lord said, you pity the plant for which you didn't labor. Yes, 
and you did not make it grow. Which live one day or one night and perish the next night. You ain't have nothing to do with that plant, but you got an attitude. But verse 11, and I shouldn't pity Nineveh, this great city of more than 120 persons who do not know their right hand from their left, and also how much cattle. He said, Jonah, you concerned about a plant you didn't plant, you didn't grow, you didn't raise, you didn't own, but I can't get mad about these people that I'm getting ready to send my son to make sure they can go to heaven for Now, biblical scholars, they argue about everything. Here's another argument. They really, it really doesn't matter. But nevertheless, they Jonah-ish. They want, the 120 people who don't know their right hand from their left hand, one school of thought says it's children because they don't know their right hand from their left hand yet, and I got those. Other people thinks, thinks that it meant people who were, uh, they weren't morally astute. They were morally ignorant. They just didn't know right from wrong. It doesn't matter. God is saying, listen, it's more people in the city that are more valuable than the plant you're crying about. God is saying you are caring more about your own comfort and this shade plant than the salvation of a city full of people who are getting ready to die and go to hell. When are you going to be concerned about stuff that really matters? You concerned about keeping the fish in the aquarium swimming when I said you ought to be fishers of men. That's what I feel about having church, just to have church. That's why I said we're going to be different. Because we ain't going to come to the church to talk about how good we look in the aquarium when there's folks out there that still need to be caught. What we going to do, come shout and congratulate each other on how saved we've been since the last time we met? I'm done. God wants us to care about cities. But before we can care about cities, we have to have revival within our hearts. What city should you care about? You know, I know that we should care for the city we, we live in, but let me simplify it again. Whose salvation should you be concerned about? Do we care more about our comforts? We're more concerned about how much we have to pay for eggs than people who can't buy them no matter what they cost. We're concerned more about the rate on the mortgage on our homes than those who would love to have a mortgage to live anywhere. Yeah, it's going up, but you ain't losing your home. You just cutting down on eating out fast food and Amazon. Yeah, gas is going up, but you ain't stopped driving. You just drop going to a whole bunch of unnecessary places that you ain't need to go in the first place. 
we go stress, let's stress about people who are unhoused. Let's stress about people who are unfed. Let's stress about people who are unhealed. Let's stress about people who are unclothed. Let's stress about students who have inadequate resources to be educated. Let's stress about our community being a stopping point so people can be relieved of their student loan and their student debt. Let's stress about people policing our community who are not vested in our community, who don't live in our community, and who don't care about our community, who are afraid of those in our community. They're supposed to protect us, but we need to be protected from them. time for us, Bayview, to get out of our comfort. The pandemic gave us shade. We got good and comfortable. But the worms are here. And it's time for us to cry out to Nineveh. That's why I'm saying let's get back. Let's reset this Saturday. That's why we're having a revival Wednesday and resetting Saturday. Because we have some people whose salvation is hanging in the balance. And God has taken that shade away. My prayer is that we realize that God made us each for a purpose. We each have a calling. We each have a destiny. We are each anointed to do something different for the kingdom. And unless all of us are doing it, the whole job won't get done. God created you to do some things I can't do, me to do some things you can't do, them to do some, do some things you can't do them. Y'all know what I'm saying. And so I need those who are ready to reset, to be revived, to cry out. I need you to talk to the Lord. I need you to get ready to join me as we relaunch. Uh, because God has just been too good. Let's all stand. I'm going to pray and then we're going to extend this invitation. Pray with me now. God, thank you for who you are. Thank you for making us for your purpose. Thank you for reminding us you didn't put us here to live for ourselves because we didn't die for ourselves. Thank you for reminding us we're not here to waste our lives. We're here to make our lives count. Thank you for this journey with Jonah. It's shown us some things about ourselves that we really needed to see. And now, God, help us to trust your wisdom. Help us to realize it's all going to work out. Help us to remember your goodness to us. Help us to remember how many times you've been gracious to us in our disobedience that we really did not deserve. Help us to remember that you see things we can and you're in control of every detail of our lives. 
And today, many of us, God, are committing to spend the rest of our lives discovering and developing the gift that you have given us. Fulfilling the purpose you made us for, living out the mission you made us for, becoming who you made us to be. Jesus, you have free access. We will no longer resist. You can fill every room in our life and our heart. Fill it with your love. Fill it with your confidence. But God, <laughs> fill it first with your forgiveness. We need you to forgive us for things that we have done that we shouldn't have. Forgive us for things that we should have done that we did not. Help us forgive those who hurt us and be gracious toward them as you've been gracious toward us. Help the person today, God, that's hurting and can't let it go. Help them right now to get over it and get past it. Realize we're not letting people off the hook. We're freeing ourselves from the weight of unforgiveness. We're freeing ourselves from the weight of resentment. Then, God, I pray that you would speak to those who you've spoken to today. Holy Spirit, save only where you can. Connect only where you can. Touch only where you can. Whether they're in the sanctuary or on the stream, God, I pray right now that you would do your perfect work and have your way in this moment. We pray this prayer in Jesus' name. Let's all say together, amen.